What kind of criminal atrocities are we exposing our socialites to today? Let me ask you, is it possible to be so beautiful you get away with murder just based on your beauty alone? Mm, I don't know, is it? I'm here to tell you it is. And for the record, she was really pretty. Oh dear. Welcome to Socialite Crime Club. You're invited to indulge in exceptional storytelling. Delight your insatiable desires for scandalous schemes and criminal conspiracies. Socialite Crime Club, recounting misdeeds. We've changed names again because nobody in this case was charged. Okay. I'm not even sure a crime was committed. It kind of appears that there is. We'll talk about that as we go through. I think there were crimes committed. Nobody wanted to be a part of the crimes that were committed. Nobody wants to be a victim. So I need to clarify that. That's why we're not including names. Nobody was ever charged. Nobody was ever prosecuted. Everybody's innocent until proven guilty. So Mm. we're just going to keep the names out of it. Okay. But there were crimes committed. Mm, We'll see. Okay. Let's start with talking about Officer Morin. Officer Morin is a young officer. Just graduated the academy about a year before this whole thing happens. He's working graves. You know how that feels. It's horrible. One of the challenges with working graves, especially if you get busy, is getting your paperwork done and finding time to keep caught up on your paperwork. Right. Officer Morin has realized that if he finds a quiet, dark parking lot early in the morning, he can kind of isolate himself and they have computers in the car so he can knock out his paperwork in his car. So it's about 530 in the morning. There's this little business complex that he always goes to and he backs his car in so that nobody can sneak up on him and he's knocking out his paperwork. Okay. You can imagine his surprise when he looks up. He sees a white male, about six feet tall, naked, except for Mm -hmm. a pair of socks. He is bleeding from what appears to be a pretty substantial open chest wound. He's carrying a knife, and he's covered in some kind of dark liquid. Oh, it's almost time to go home, and now this. He is literally 24 minutes from his shift ending. (laughs) It startles him. He jumps out of his car. Pulls out his gun, prones this guy down on the ground, trying to figure out what's going on. The guy's murmuring something about somebody trying to kill him. Okay. So he detains him, takes the knife away from him, makes the scene safe, and then is trying to figure out, like, what are you talking about? And this guy explains there is a lady across the street in an apartment complex who just stabbed him and tried to kill him. He took the knife away, and he ran out the front door. And the first thing he saw as he goes out the door of this apartment is the patrol car across the street. So he just runs to the patrol car. So Officer Morin is then thinking, I have another two hours of paperwork. At least. At least. So as Officer Morin is trying to figure out what's going on, he identifies this individual as Timothy Klein. And Timothy has an open stab wound, like in his clavicle, right next to his shoulder. And it looked like it hit the bone. You can see bone. Okay. The liquid is motor oil. Like, he's covered in motor oil, which is really weird. He identifies the female as Sophie. That's all he knows her by is Sophie. And he's explaining to the officer very briefly that they were having sex when Sophie pulled out a knife and tried to kill him. So, at this point, what is he wearing out there? Socks. Just, he's naked, but his socks. Just naked with socks. Oh, dear. (laughs) And it's what time of year? It's late February. So it's kind of chilly outside. It's probably really chilly outside. Did he have a blanket or anything that the officer could give to him? Or is he just standing there interviewing him naked or in the back of his car? Knowing what I know now, I think it would be funny to make him stand there and just think about what he's done in life. It might be a really good lesson. (laughs) This is bad. (laughs) 
Okay. Ambulance shows up shortly afterwards, so they put him in the ambulance. I'm sure they cover him up. They give him a blanket. Mm -hmm. uh, he describes that Sophie, once she stabs him, there's a brief struggle, and he's trying to scoop backwards on the bed to get away from her. And as he does this on the nightstand, there's this can. And okay. it's like a corn can or like a vegetable can. Okay. And he picks it up and throws it at her, trying to get her off of him. Well, it was full of motor oil, and that's how the oil got all over him. It was just... A can with the lid cut off of it with motor oil in it. Why does someone have motor oil by the side of their bed? I have no idea. This is the one of the mysteries of this case that has never been solved. So did he hit her with the can? Yeah, he hit her with the can. She's covered in oil, too. Oh. Okay. So she goes off one side of the bed. He goes off the other side of the bed. And he's going to describe this more at the hospital here in just a little bit. But... The last thing he sees is she's running for the bathroom, and he's worried that she's going to go get a weapon. And that's where he runs out the front door, looks across the street, and sees Officer Warren sitting there oh. and just immediately runs. How lucky for him that there's an officer sitting right there. Right across the street, which, you know, brings up a really interesting point. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to talk about defunding the police oh, mm -hmm. until something like this happens and you run out the door and you can never have enough police yeah. officers in a situation when like this. When shit is just hitting the fan. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So maybe you make a, consider. Yeah, you make a really valid argument there. Yeah, maybe we should fund the police and make sure that poor Officer Morin can find this guy when he's running across the street <laughs> naked in his socks. <laughs> Apartment 1281. That's where this whole thing went down, according to Timothy. So Officer Morin's thinking, I've got an armed suspect, potentially, who just tried to kill somebody who's in 1281, and I now have 18 minutes left in my shift. Mm -hmm. So he's going to call, obviously, the cavalry. Everybody's going to show up. It's going to take them a little while. They aren't just going to go busting down the door. They don't know if they have an armed gunman or what it is. They make contact at the apartment eventually, mm -hmm. and they come across Sophie. She's inside. So okay. they pull her out. And, you know, this is another interesting topic that we should probably touch on here just a little bit. I have a quick question. How long after they contacted... Timothy Klein and got him in the ambulance to the time that they contacted Sophie? I'm going to say maybe 15 minutes most, 10, 15 minutes. It, it happens fairly quickly. When they contacted her, was she still covered in oil or was she cleaned up? You could tell she was trying to clean up. Okay. She still has some residual. It's obvious. She still has some blood on her. She does have some oil. She's dressed at least at this point. Oh, that's good. So yeah, she is dressed and she's really pretty. The officers noted like, oh wow, she is pretty. Okay. And Timothy Klein told them that she was really pretty? Yes. Right off the bat. Timothy is trying to describe her to the officer because he's asking, hey, what does she look like? Who is this lady? How do you know her? And Timothy's very evasive. He doesn't have a lot of answers other than it's Sophie. And she's very pretty. And that's kind of his description. So it's an excuse of sorts. Of sorts. We're going to get more information here in a minute. But getting back to the apartment, a lot of people think that law enforcement needs a search warrant to necessarily enter a house. Oh, no. It's a huge misconception. Mm -hmm. There are times that a search warrant is necessary. Absolutely. But in a case like this, we have an active crime scene. Sophie's at the door. She's going to be detained for the investigation. She's clearly cleaning up evidence off of herself already. Exactly. So law enforcement can enter the apartment, make sure that there's nobody else in the apartment. Then they have to leave and secure it. And this is what we typically say. The scene is secure. There's nobody inside the apartment. We station an officer at the front door to keep an eye on things, make sure nobody comes or goes. And then we write a search warrant to enter to seize evidence. Right. So they're at this process at this point. And in order to do this, there's two things they have to do. They're trying to identify the suspect who they figure out is Sophie O'Sullivan. Sophie O'Sullivan. Good Irish girl. Oh. She's 22 years old, 5'6", about 130 pounds, and she is really pretty. I've, okay. I've seen her since then. Uh, she, she's, she's pretty. Okay. Yeah. She does have a she's mouth good. like a sailor, though. 
she's telling them to go screw themselves every which possible way you can imagine. This chick says things that I've never heard before. Oh. Yeah, she's got a little potty mouth. Okay. And what city did this take place in? This is in Mesa, Mesa, Arizona. Right. At the same time, we have a detective going to the hospital who's going to interview Timothy. And the idea here is to try to figure out what the hell is going on, Timothy. So Timothy explains he's a forklift operator at a warehouse, but he works graveyard shifts. It's a shipping warehouse. So trucks are loaded up at night. He loads the trucks. And there's times that he's busy, and then there's times that things slow down. So Timothy has kind of started a little side hobby when it's slow at work, Mm -hmm. doing graveyards. On his phone? On his phone, where he's checking out these chat rooms associated with different dating sites. What year was this in? Oh, this is probably circa 2005, 2006. Okay. He'll find these chat rooms, and they're kind of sex hookup websites. He's on adult websites. Yeah, I would say dating sites, but it is dating for the purpose of hooking up. Okay. And there's chat rooms, and he's going into these chat rooms, and he's just chatting with other women while he's at work when it's slow. He's never met any of these women. It's just something he's doing at work. Mm -hmm. Well, he starts chatting with who we now know as Sophie. He didn't know who it was at the time. Sophie seems to really be into him in this chat room. And as this conversation grows, Sophie invites him over one morning and he's getting off work around 430 in the morning, which is really early. She's motivated. Mm -hmm. And he says, hey, I can be there around five. So he leaves work and he drives over to Sophie's house. He knocks on the door. He hasn't seen her yet. Does he work in the Mesa area? Does he no, work around he, her apartment? He works in Phoenix. So it takes him about 30 minutes. So he leaves work at 4.30. He arrives at her apartment right around 5 a.m. He hasn't seen her yet. Doesn't know what she looks like. It's just all chat room, right? Oh. So he knocks on the door. Sophie answers it. She's wearing this little negligee. And he's thinking, oh my God, she's beautiful. He's just taken aback. How does this happen? Alas. How do I drive a forklift at work, start chatting, and on my way home stop and, ah, oh, like this is what I get? Right. And he's just beside himself. Okay. And Sophie's not into chit-chat. Takes him by the hand, leads him right to her bedroom where she gets down to business. She wants to have sex with him and he's going to oblige. Okay. So he takes his clothes off, except for his socks, Mm. sits down on the bed, and Sophie immediately starts to perform oral sex on him. (laughs) And he just lays back and closes his eyes thinking he's the luckiest boy in America right now and things could not get any better. Okay. So to his surprise... When all of a sudden she stops and he opens his eyes and she is now coming at him with an eight inch knife, like a big knife. So he's on his back on the bed. Where did she pull the knife from under the pillow or something? So his legs, the way he recounts, his legs are hanging off the bed. She's on her knees between his legs on the floor. Oh. Performing oral sex on him. So, so she can hide whatever she's going to pull probably up. under the bed or something. And then she stops, at which point he's thinking, well, great, what are we going to do now? And he looks up, and all he sees is her with this 8-inch knife, and she's already swinging for the fences and stabs him right here. Like, she was clearly going for So was he sitting up then? He was starting to come up a little bit and catches the knife right here. Thank God it hit bone so it doesn't go that far in, but it makes a pretty good cut. And that's when he starts scooting backwards, like trying to push her away. And as Mm -hmm. he turns, he sees he's just throwing things at this point. And that's where he sees the can, throws it at her. The oil comes out, gets all over both of them. He kind of rolls off one side of the bed, according to his story. She's on the other side of the bed. And we have what you kind of call an Irish standoff at this point. So they're just both standing up. Yeah, he doesn't know what the hell just happened. Zigging and zagging on each side of the bed. Right. And they go one side, she goes the other side. And he's thinking... Ah, and it reminds so me of that Ventura movie. Oh, yes. Where yeah. he gets hit with the spear mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, he's 
trying to process how do we go from what we were doing to you stabbing me crazy? Right. Like what's uh-huh. wrong with you? Yeah. So did he pull the knife out or something? Did, was it just hanging in The knife in his really chest? never stuck in there because it was such a shallow wound. In the struggle, he got the knife away from her. So he's holding the knife. Okay. And that's why they're kind of doing this Irish standoff back and forth. So she's just glaring at him from the other side of yeah, the bed. Yeah, and he's trying to figure out what happens next. Okay. And that's when she just turns and runs into the bathroom. The, the bathroom's adjoining the wall. Mm-hmm. In his head, it was such a deliberate act. She must have more weapons in the bathroom. Okay. And that's when he thinks I'm out. And he just runs out the front door just to get away from her. And that's when he sees our good officer across the street and runs to the office. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. So the detective is trying to explain, okay, here's kind of what happens from here. We're writing a search warrant. We're going to process the scene. We'll see some evidence. You're going to have to go to trial. You're going to have to testify. I'm issuing what's called a victim's rights form. And they're mm-hmm. explaining as a victim, you have certain rights. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold up. I'm, I'm not a victim. And the detective is like, no, you're a victim. She just tried to kill you. Right. This is an attempted murder. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was at work and I was uh, operating my little forklift and this pallet fell on me and it cut me really bad right here. I have no idea what you're talking about. He has a family. And it comes out he's married. And there's no way he's going to let his wife find out that he's going to court for an attempted homicide from some lady he met in a chat room that was giving him a blowjob. Oh, no. Timothy. Really puts the police department in a weird spot. Right. Because they have this homicidal maniac who they don't know if they've done this to anyone else. So did she know he had a family? How did she go about selecting him specifically? Sophie? Yes. Yes. It did come out in the chat that he was married talk more about that as we go through but it does appear that she absolutely knew he was married oh okay so no crime no uh, no victim no we got story. nothing we've got nothing have a good day sophie sophie o'sullivan is released back into the wild better luck next time yeah she's like a dire wolf being released on some poor cattle rancher's farm or ranch <laughs> you're just releasing this wolf back into society yeah you don't just do something like this like there's probably a screw loose or yeah. something going on she's done it before she'll strike again and she got away with it so if anything she's probably a little bit more emboldened a little bit yeah. more empowered she's comfortable yeah about eight months pass sophie who i don't know at the time timothy Never heard of him at that time. I don't know Officer Morn. I don't know any of these people. I'm fat, dumb, and happy detective, and I happen to be the detective on call. At about 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning, I get a phone call from dispatch that this poor, innocent little girl was found next to a shopping mall, kind of in this ditch area, and she's unconscious. It looks like somebody just almost beat her to death. So she was transported to a local hospital get in my car, drive to the hospital. When you go to the emergency room on these type of calls, we go in the same way that the ambulance crews go in. So I'm going in and typically I would make contact at the front desk just to find out, hey, I'm here from the police department. Apparently you guys have a patient, what room, all that good stuff. When I get to the front desk, I can hear this screaming little banshee in the background just cussing up a storm at everybody, telling them all to go screw themselves using very colorful adjectives. She is losing her shit. Okay. Was she on any drugs or anything? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out why I'm even there to talk to who. I don't know who I'm even talking to. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably a mental health patient that they just pulled in off the street. has nothing to do with, hey, I'm here for the unconscious female that you guys just brought in. And I'm sure a lot of what you were thinking was correct. And the lady behind the desk tells me, oh no, you hear that lady down there? And I'm just like, yes, what is going on? And she's like, that's yours. (laughs) 
<laughs> She's a real peach. <laughs> She's a real peach. <laughs> so I go down the hallway, and sure enough, she is denying medical treatment against the doctor's advice, and she's telling the doctors to go screw themselves because they're trying to convince her to stay for at least some CAT scan or x-rays or something, and she wants nothing to do with it. And as soon as I walk around the corner, and I'm in plain clothes, but I have, like, my badge and my gun, obviously. You're easily identifiable yeah. as a detective. As soon as she sees me, she loses her shit, starts cussing me out. And I haven't even said what my name is yet. And get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And cussing. It, it's, it was pretty. So did you say, okay, thanks. Good night. Well, I tried to explain. We got this call. I was told you're a victim. I'm here to take a report. And she tells me she doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. And she doesn't want to talk to me. And she just wants to go home. And they eventually are going to release her. She refuses to make any type of report. And she moves on. And what did she look like? Did she have injuries? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She kind of looked like a mess when I saw her that time. I don't know that that time I thought she was so pretty. Because <laughs> between the mouth and she looked rough. It looked like she was rolling around in the dirt for a while. Her hair was all messed up. Right. I'm just trying to figure out why she was transported to... Oh, she was unconscious when they found her. She had somebody hit her with something in the back of the head or like on the side of the head here. She had a big knot. And then she also had some big linear bruises like on her arm and her shoulder. It looks like somebody beat her with like a pipe or something. Okay. But and we don't know. She was healthy and conscious overall, though. Did she need to stay the night or anything? She refused. She walked, mm. she literally walked out of the emergency room. Okay. Now there's report takers and there's investigators. Okay. In this particular incident, I was a report taker. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what's up with this chick, but at the same point, I'm a little concerned. This could come back somehow to some type of bigger incident. So you were able to obtain her identifying information. The hospital had it when they sure. did the transportation. So I got all of that information and I just simply write an information report saying on this date and this time, I was called for this reason. I made contact. She told me to go screw myself. So I, I went and screwed myself. <laughs> like, I'm out, right? <laughs> uh, end of story. And I don't think much more about it until I get a call from a detective at a neighboring agency, Mesa Police Department. Okay. How, how much longer later? <sighs> it was within maybe a couple weeks. Okay. And this detective began, and I've, I know her, we've worked some cases back in the day together. And she explained, she's like, hey, we got to talk. I have this crazy case and I'm worried that this lady I was dealing with is going to kill somebody. So periodically I run her name in the system to see if there's any other police reports that have been taken. If she had any other law enforcement contact. Mm -hmm, good. And I just saw your report from last week where she was in the emergency room. I'm like, yeah, that was a really weird case. And I took the information report because I figured there's got to be something going on here. She's like, yes, we need to talk. So she comes over to the police department. She has pictures and all kinds of stuff. And she tells me the original story with Officer Morin. Oh. It's Sophie. And it's the same Sophie that they dealt with. It's Sophie O'Sullivan. Okay. And she's explaining, no, I think this chick is into this weird sex game where she lures guys in and then she tries to kill them. And I'm worried she's probably killed somebody and we don't even know it. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that you took this report, I'm a little worried. Did she try to kill somebody and they fought back? And this is what happened? Did she succeed? Did she actually kill someone? What's like, what the hell is happening? Right. And I explained, I have no idea. All I know is where we found her. So we start to do a little bit of work. And there's another thing we need to talk about a little bit, a big misconception. People think law enforcement has to have a search warrant to look at your phone records. Well, it depends on what you're looking at in the phone records. Right. 
it's it's a bad assumption because if I'm just looking at phone calls, who called who? Hey, I dialed this number on this day. Technically, you only need reasonable suspicion. Right. And based on some comments we've been getting lately on some of our shows, I know people are going to come out and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. You're a Nazi. I'm a Nazi, and I've never read the Constitution. You're a terrible cop. And I should make it clear, I have no German heritage. So This is good. I've been compared to a Nazi several times. Actually, we know a lot of Germans who are really nice, though. Really nice. They're not Nazis. No, and don't kill the messenger. I'm not saying I agree with it or I disagree with it. I'm saying as the law in the United States currently states, if I just want to look at who you're calling— I need a simple court order that's obtained on reasonable suspicion. It does not require probable cause. What you do need probable cause for, though, is location information or content. Correct. Because it's quite a bit more private information. Correct. If I want to see where your phone is at when you're making these conversations or connections, then I have to have probable cause. If I want to read your text messages, I have to have probable cause. And you're still going to get pushback from people on this? Yeah, which is fine, which is fine. But But they can go change the laws and lobby for it. That's what I'm saying. Don't kill the messenger. I'm doing my job as the law allows me to do it. And I'm playing by the rules. And because of this, I can go get Sophia's phone records. As far as who she's talked to. Who she's talked to. I don't want geolocation. I just want to know the night she was beat up and left in a ditch, who was she talking to? Right. So I get the phone records and the phone records come back. And sure enough, there is a number. She's, I couldn't find any prior history with this number. So just in the middle of the night, on the night that she gets beat, she starts texting this number. And there's a text conversation. Who's the before. phone number to belong to? Well, I'm trying to figure that out at this point. And I run it in our system and it comes up and I'm thinking, I know this guy. He's pretty well known in our community. Oh, no. He's got a business. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty successful business. He's a member of a church. A local church? Local church. Which is probably very big in this community of Gilbert, Arizona. I don't know. Possibly. Okay. And I'm starting to wonder, did she kill him? Okay. We should probably go check on this guy. A welfare check. So I find his address. Nice neighborhood. You know the Circle G ranches. Oh, they're beautiful million-dollar like homes. Acre home. This acre is upper, lots. upper middle class Gilbert. Yes. It at is the time. Nice. There's a gate you have to go through multi-million dollar homes, acre lots. It's a beautiful community. So we drive out there. Mm-hmm. It's maybe dinner time, six o'clock, by the time we figure everything out. So I'm thinking, let's go do a welfare check. And I knock okay. on the door and he answers. Okay. He pushes me back very quickly and wants to talk about this in front of the garage. This is a very Not, Chasey move. It is just like, let's talk about it when the guy comes over to visit Chasey. Yes. yes. Immediately pushes me back. Please, let's go outside to talk. Shuts the door behind him as fast as he can. His family is inside. And he he walks us over in front of the garage. Was this possibly a Monday night in Gilbert? Was it family night Monday? <laughs> it could have been a family night Monday. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. So... Hmm. It's interesting because before I can say anything, he explains to me, I've thought about calling you multiple times. Not me personally, but the police department. Okay. I should have called. I know why you guys are here. And And you hadn't said anything at this point. I haven't said a word. He just starts talking. Right. I had introduced, hey, I'm Detective Ray, but I didn't tell him why we're there. And at this point, I'm thinking, yeah, that is why we're here. Go ahead and tell us. Right. He starts to explain that, hey, about three weeks ago, my wife and kids went to visit her sister. They were gone for about a week. Man's got needs. And a buddy of mine at work told me about this website. It's like a dating website, but for sexual hookups. Mm-hmm. There's this chat room. And I was chatting with a few women in that chat room. And I met this 
really nice, what appeared to be this really nice lady, and she asked if we wanted to hook up. And I was like, yeah. Okay. But I've never done this before, and I kind of felt like she was a prostitute. And I was wondering, maybe I'm just getting set up. So I'm worried she's going to rob me, or is she going to come over, we have sex, and then she wants to have a bunch of money. Or, or his her pimp is going to somehow rob him down yeah, the road. Yeah, so he's, right. he, he wants to meet her, but he's really hinked up about how this works. Right. And it seemed too easy. It was too good to be true, right? Uh-huh. It always is. It always is. So they decide to meet at this little coffee shop down from his house. He's going to pick her up there and bring her back to his house. He's going to drive through his neighborhood, risking neighbors seeing her in the car. Well, that him? made more sense than allowing her to drive over and neighbors seeing the vehicle, knowing his wife is gone. And it's late at night. So the idea is she can leave her car at the coffee shop, little shopping plaza. And he would take her back later. He would take, because there's a gate too. So she's got to get in the gate Mm. and it's a little bit more concealed. And he feels safe because now he knows there isn't some pimp standing outside the door that's getting ready to rob him. So he meets her at the coffee shop and immediately, of course, the first thing he thinks is, wow, she's really pretty. Oh, too pretty. And now it just confirms his thoughts to him. He's thinking, okay, she's definitely a prostitute. She's going to get me on the hook and then she's going to charge me. Because in this guy's head, prostitutes are really pretty. I think it's more that really, really pretty women don't just hook up with people on a chat room on a random night. Right. I think that's where he's at. So it's got to be some type of a financial gain for her in his head. How long had his family been gone before he made this happen? About a week. So he had been alone most of the week already. It wasn't early in their leave time. Yeah. And what does grandma say? You can't leave men alone for too long. Because? Because they'll stray. (laughs) Yeah. My grandma says this all the time. (laughs) So apparently he's straying at this point. She's really friendly. They, They talk a little bit. And then as soon as they get into the house, she's immediately down to business. They go right to his bedroom. Okay. Very similar to Timothy's case. She starts taking his clothes off, lays him down on the bed, starts performing oral sex. And she's on her knees. At the end of the bed the again, the and bed. he's laying down. But he's still a little bit hinked up because he's never done this before, and he's not real comfortable because she did have a small bag, like a, a big purse or a small bag. He has some anxiety, maybe a little bit of guilt. Which is probably good because his eyes are open, unlike Timothy. Mm-hmm. And so when she comes up with the knife in hand and goes to stab him, mm-hmm. he sees it coming. And he actually stops it. He gets some little superficial cuts, and he still had them when we were talking to him, like really minor cuts. But he blocks it and pushes her off of one side of the bed. He rolls on the other side, almost back to the Irish standoff again. Okay. (laughs) Except she still has the knife. Okay, so he wasn't able to. He wasn't able to get the knife away. He was able to keep her from stabbing him, but she jumped off with the knife before. Okay. He keeps a bat next to his bed, a baseball bat. Oh, so this Irish standoff is going to end with him arming himself with the bat. Uh-huh. And then as she comes at him a second time, mm-hmm. he lets her have it. He Babe Ruth's the shit out of her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just knocks her unconscious in his bedroom? He hits her a couple times in the shoulder, and then that third time, he catches her right below the ear, kind of, and she's turning away, uh-huh. and she's cracks her a good one. So immediately, boom, she's out. Was there a bloody mess for him to clean up or it was there bleed just that bad? He said it didn't really bleed because it's the, the round bat. It, mm-hmm. it broke the skin a little bit. She had a small cut, but even when I saw her in the hospital, she wasn't very bloody. It was primarily all. internal. Wounds. Yeah. 
Right. And now he's thinking, shit, I've got a dead hooker in my house. <laughs> oh, crap. When's his wife coming home? <laughs> or no, but you better clean that shit up. It's like, I got to get her out of here. Yeah. So he checks on her and she's breathing. She's alive. Okay. But he's trying to come up with a plan. Like, what the hell do I do at sure. this point? Okay. So he's probably at least grateful she's breathing. Right. So he scoops her up, takes her into the garage where his truck is, puts her in the truck. He's going to drive her back and basically dump her at her car, but he's worried there's going to be video cameras. Yeah. So he dumps her across the street in the ditch. 2005-ish, there's still pay phones. On his way back, he stops at another gas station, calls 911. He's the actual 911 caller. He doesn't give his name, but he tells us, no, I called 911 because... There's a girl in the ditch down the way. I don't want her dying, and I didn't know how bad the head injury was. I knew that she was still alive, so mm-hmm. I wanted her treat like I don't want her to die, but I don't yeah. I don't want a dead hooker in my house either. Right. So he still wanted to feel like he had some morals. Right. So he calls nine one one, that's how they find her. And that's where she gets transported to the hospital. So we explain, hey buddy, let let me tell you what's going on here is that We've been dealing with her before. This isn't the first time she's done this. She's a predator. She's straight up dire wolfing, right? Like right. She is she's out going to, eat. to do this again. Yes. We need to put a case together. We understand what you did. It was self-defense, but you're a victim. We want you to file charges. Like we want you to actually mm-hmm. press charges. Did he ever ask if she had said anything to the police during this time? He was amazed that she never reported. And that's why he kept saying, I knew I needed to talk to you guys because I, I kept thinking it is self-defense. But if she reports it and I don't say anything, it's going to make me look bad. Right. But maybe she won't report it because technically, what is she going to report? I tried to kill him and he hit me with a bat? Or she could spin it into something that it wasn't if he didn't tell right. his side of the story. Right. And that's what... He was really concerned about. So as we go to try to get him to become a victim, he very quickly takes a very strong position of, I am not a victim. I am not going to be a victim. And now that I this is off my everything chest, I got. Yeah, now that this is off my chest, not only am I not going to be a victim, don't ever talk about this. Don't use my name. Get off my property. Go away. I got to get back to family night. Yeah, I've got, I've got obligations in there. <sighs> so once again, the dire wolf is released back into the public. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. About a year later, I am at a a pretty well-known shopping mall in East Mesa. And as I'm walking through the mall, it's around Christmas. You know how they have those little side stages and they'll have like little acts during the Christmas shopping season? Mm Mm-hmm. Coming out and I hear this Irish music. Okay. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And as I get closer, (laughs) three Irish girls, one is singing, one's kind of dancing the little river dance, and another one's playing the violin. As I get closer, I realize... The violinist is Sophie. Oh, you recognized her? And I'm thinking, oh my God, there she is. She is still in the wild. Did she recognize you at all? No. And I thought, man, she is pretty. She's all cleaned up. And to this day, I I still follow up on this from time to time. She was still performing. Last I looked a couple years ago, mm-hmm. she's never been arrested. She has no criminal record. So either she's killed a few people and got away with it, or she just stopped after getting beat up with a bat. We don't know, but... My goodness. I really don't feel like there's any moral to wrap up this episode with. Well, I guess we could talk about not doing dumb shit. Don't hook up with chicks you just met in a chat room the first time. Like especially maybe just if, have a cup of coffee first. Especially if they're really pretty. I think that's the that's the red flag. And I don't mean for this to sound bad and I know it's going to. Choose an ugly girl. Really hot chicks. Yeah. Don't hang out in chat rooms. <laughs> they don't have to. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> well, t- uh, the other thing is none of them saw her picture, anything that she looked like no, before they met up with her. She never put her picture on the web or on that dating platform. Yeah, asked to see their picture. Yeah. Mm. This is too bad. Yeah. So stay safe. Make wise decisions. Good luck out there. <laughs> Guys. And girls, I guess. But good luck. <laughs>